As I said, we've been looking together, haven't we, at the Lord's Prayer, and the disciples came and they said, Lord, teach us, teach us how to pray like you. We see something different, something unique in the way that you pray. We see answers, we see life transformed when you pray, and we want to pray like that. We want to be people that, that imitate you. And Jesus said, this is, this is how you do it. A prayer, as I said, that we know so well. He said, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Firstly, we said it's our. It's not about me and God. It's about us and God. And he is our Father. If, if we don't know him as a Father, if we haven't got that intimacy in the relationship, then, then, then there's no such thing as prayer. We come because he is our Heavenly Father and we are his children. And we need to know him that. He's not just God. It's not God who art in heaven. God, you are distant. No, he's our, our father. And we come with that intimacy. But he is in heaven. And heaven is the place where he answers prayer. And prayer is answered from the limitations, which are vast, if you, if you want to put it this way, of heaven, not of earth. And so when God answers prayer, he doesn't answer it according to what we see down here. He answers it according to the storehouses of heaven. And that's why Jesus was able to perform miracles and why we are able to perform miracles when we have the Spirit flowing through us because a miracle is just God answering something from heaven, using heaven which is outside the normal way we do things here on earth. And we all go, wow, and Jesus when the disciples kind of went, whoa, how come you can do that? And he's like, what's the big deal? Like, like this, is, this is just normal heaven stuff. But we, for us, it's unusual. And so we call it a miracle. But our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And first we have to come and we have to worship him and hallow him and say, Lord, you are just beautiful and we adore you and we love you. And, and the relationship comes first. Not, Lord, we need this, 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 and this. But, Lord, we just want to honor you. We want to glorify you. We want to, as much as we can within our limited minds and spirits, we want to acknowledge the greatness of who you are. Hallowed be your name. And then, Lord, it's all about your kingdom coming and your will be being done here on earth as it is in heaven. Our prayers need to be in accordance with, with God's plan. Prayer is not about God just giving me what I want. It's about me asking God for the things that God wants to flow through me and bring his kingdom to here on earth and his rule on earth. And so we pray, Lord, may my prayers be your prayers. May my prayers be in accordance he said, you'll ask anything in Jesus' name according to the character of Jesus, and it will be done for you. If it's thy kingdom come, then Jesus or God will say yes to the prayer that we ask. If it's about his will being done, then it's, of course, a yes here on earth as it is in heaven. Then he says, give us today everything that we need to fulfill that, our daily bread. And, and we looked at that, and we, we saw that as the the uh, people of Israel were through the wilderness. It was all about daily trusting in God. God, I don't need stuff for tomorrow. I need stuff to fulfill your purpose today. And I will ask you about today and today and today and today, and I will trust you every single day of my life. 
And you want me to come back every day, not just to say, well, here's my five-year plan, God, and this is, this is what I want, so just give me everything I need for the five-year plan, and I won't bother you again for five years. God says, no, I want relationship with you, and I want you to be coming to me every single day for your daily bread. And then last week we looked at this, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Last week we said that if, if we don't forgive our debts, if we don't forgive the injustices done to us, then, then all the other, the prayers, they, it blocks our relationship with God as we have also forgiven our debtors. So God, as we come to you and ask for your forgiveness, we have to recognize that you ask the same thing of us to others. You want to channel your forgiveness and your love into us, but we have to be willing to do that to others. We looked at that last week. And this week we're going to look at this next section and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. All of us are tempted, aren't we? I mean, there's some things where you're not tempted. I, we were out driving uh, on Friday in Berkhampstead. We were going through Berkhampstead, and I was thinking about the sermon, and there was a shop called Temptation. And I thought, as I, as we, as I caught, saw it out the corner of my eye, I thought, this has got to be like a pastry shop. So I was just, Enika was driving, I was just about to say, pull up. And I looked in, and it was some kind of, I don't know, it was sort of a home, sort of, it had lampshades and things like that. I thought, I'm not tempted at all. That's no temptation. They should get rid of that title because it doesn't fit the shop. I mean, maybe some people, you know, they can't help themselves but buy a new lampshade. But it really didn't fit the bill. But most of us know what temptation is, don't we? guy called Red Simmons, he said, Opportunity only knocks once, but temptation leans on the doorbell. Isn't that true? Oscar Wilde said, I can resist everything except temptation. We are all know what temptation is. And here in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus asks us or tells us to pray a prayer or a request for protection from temptation. A protection from sin because sin, the evil one, wants to limit all the things that have gone before that we've already prayed for. If, if he could get us to, 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 to move from temptation into sin, then everything that we've prayed for breaks down. The relationships between us break down. Our relationship with God is limited, and it breaks down. He ceases to be our Father because we step outside of His will. We stop honoring Him who art in heaven. We stop hallowing His name. We, we stop seeking His kingdom coming on earth because we're just doing our own thing and going our own way. Everything kind of fits down to this one prayer, lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from the evil one. And we have to recognize that here on earth, there is a battle that is going on, a battle that ha is happening between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. And Satan is there, and his dominion is there, and he's trying to pull you away from God and from the goodness of God and everything that God wants to give in your life, every good thing that he wants to pour into your life. And he works tirelessly for this one thing, to break up your relationship with the Father. On our covenant card this year, we had these words. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Later on this year, we're going to unpack that and, and really try and understand what that means throughout the pages of Scripture. But what he's saying is that this, this is the, the real core of what's going on, that we have an enemy that is trying to pull you away from that relationship with God. And the enemy does it through these temptations. And as the enemy tempts us, so if we yield to that temptation... So it destroys our relationship with God, and we have to rebuild it all over again. We're in a spiritual battle, and we need to recognize that at the outset. And everything is working, in a sense, against us. There are powers in this dark world that are working against you and your relationship with God to keep it from growing and being everything it could be in Jesus Christ. So we pray, he said, Jesus said, you need this prayer of protection. You need to pray and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Well, what does it really mean? Well, first we have to recognize that life is full of challenges. All of us face different kinds of challenges throughout life. Life, there is no such thing as life without challenge, right? We all know that doesn't matter how young or how old you are, life is full of challenges. And in the Bible, these challenges are given this word, pyrasmos, which is the Greek. And pyrasmos means two things. Firstly, it can mean temptation or it can mean trial. Now, temptation is used in the Bible where it's used of the enemy to try and defeat you spiritually and separate you from God. And when it says trial in the Bible, a trial is something that God uses to build you up and to prepare you and help you to grow spiritually so you're ready for the next challenge, ready to go deeper in Him, ready for more of the Holy Spirit in your life, ready to grow you to the next stage where He wants you to be. Now, the difficulty is that most challenges are both. They are both temptations and trials. It would be really easy for us if we were journeying along in our life and we hit a challenge and we could just say, well, that's a trial, so I'm gonna help, God's going to help me overcome that. And then we go a little bit further and we come to another challenge and we recognize, oh, this is a temptation. But that's not how it works. And we can see that in the pages of Scripture. Everything that is a challenge has both, there are two forces at work on it. 
both the force of God to help us to overcome it and use it as a trial to take us to a new level with him. But Satan is working it to twist it into a temptation so that we fail and that we fall away from God. And we're, every challenge we get to, we're, we're at a T-junction, if you like, and we can go God's way or the enemy's way. And it's God that, de- or it's us that decides which way we go in these things. Think about it like this. In Genesis chapter 2, story of Adam and Eve, and the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. That's a test, right? That's a test that says, you know what? You can, you can, I'm going to use this one thing to help you to grow, to help you to overcome. And as you overcome, as you resist this, as you recognize my word and what I've said to you, you will grow in your relationship with me. You will grow in, in the, the role that I've asked you to do and what I'm, what I'm uh, in your future. And as long as they resisted, they kept on growing in their relationship with one another, with creation, with God, with themselves. It was a test that was put there right at the outset in Genesis in the garden. Because without testing, we don't grow. We'll come on to that. Well, what happened? Well, the enemy, the serpent, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit, may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Let me go back one. Oop, going the wrong way. So what happened? Same fruit, same challenge. And God said, resist this challenge because if you resist it, you're going to grow. And the enemy came in and he said, hey, don't believe everything God says to you. Look at that apple. It, it, looks, it looks like a cream cake oozing with fresh cream and fruit so it's healthy and chocolate. I'm getting hungry. I'm salivating already. And he said, you, you know what? You're not going to die. Don't be ridiculous. Like, it's not really going to happen. And, and what happened? When the woman saw it was desirable, it was pleasing and desirable, she grabbed it and took it. The same thing, which was both an opportunity for growth became an opportunity also for temptation and for falling away. And what happened? They died, right? Not physically, but death in the Bible means spiritual, spiritual separation from God. That's what death is all about. And so God said, you can't be here any longer. You have to get out of my presence. You have to get out of this. You've distanced yourself from me. 
because you fail. You see, both one challenge, two possible directions to, to follow. Or think about Jesus, Matthew 4, 1. Jesus was led by who? The Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil or tested by the devil. Why, why did the Spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness? Because if Jesus could overcome the temptations, if Jesus could gain victory over the devil, then Jesus would grow stronger, he would be more powerful, he would be in that place of victory, and he would undo the failings of the people of Israel so many years before. But it was one challenge a challenge to go into the wilderness, and God was there, and God led Jesus into that challenge, and Satan did everything that he could to just pull Jesus away. And if Jesus had failed at the outset, then the whole ministry of Jesus and the death on the cross would mean absolutely nothing. Same event. You see, every time we face a challenge... You've got Satan the deceiver that tries to turn that challenge into a temptation, into an opportunity for you to fall away from God. And you've got God's Spirit saying, no, this is a trial. I'm going to help you to succeed and overcome so that you will go to the next level of, of knowledge and understanding and the Spirit flowing through you. You will grow in your relationship with God. That's life. And we are, we are the playing field, if you like. We are the ones that make the decision, which way are we going to turn? We all face challenges. And challenges are both an opportunity for testing and an opportunity for temptation. For victory or for failure. For moving up towards God or moving down. Remember playing snakes and ladders when you were younger? Well, it's kind of like if you were to land on a square of snakes and ladders that has both a ladder and a snake, and you get to choose. Am I going to go up with God's help, or am I going to slide down and have to reclimb again? James 1 says, the best way is up. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials or temptations of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's God's aim for you. That's why trials come into your life and my life. Because when trials come into our life, God says, I can use these, these, these trials, I can use these circumstances, I can use this challenge that's in your life, and I can use it to help you to grow stronger in Him. And He says, I want you to become mature, I want you to become complete, I, wanna, I want you to experience everything that is possible to experience in this life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it in abundance, have it to the full. And God's constant aim is to use every single challenge that comes into your life 
to help this to happen, for you to go through that challenge that when your faith is tested, when your life is tested, you will be person of perseverance, and that perseverance will work within you. You will learn new things. You will grow in your trust and your dependence on God, and God will see you through those challenges to grow you stronger and stronger and stronger. But James 1, 13 or 15 says this, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. This is Satan's aim. Satan's aim is to tempt you. He says, oh, that's, that's beautiful. That's a desire, right? Now, desire, and notice that desire is not the sin. Desire leads you into sin. To desire something, it says, after desire has conceived. Desire has to kind of give birth, if you like. And when it gives birth, then that desire becomes sinful. Then the separation happens. It's not sinful for Adam and Eve to look at the apple. It was sinful when they took it and ate it, right? They might have had a desire that says, that looks really good. You walk past a cake shop, you can't help but have desire, right? When you've got a bar of chocolate sitting at home that's unopened and it just is staring at you and calling you by name, you can't help but have desire. But there's no problem with leaving a bar of chocolate there, is there? The sin is when you unwrap it and then you eat the whole thing and don't share it with your husband or your wife, right? That's, that's when it's a problem. That's when it starts. You see what I'm saying? It says, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full growth, gives birth to death. Death being separation, distance with God. And this is what Satan tries to do in our lives, separate us from God. So the key is then, how can we choose victory over defeat? How do we choose the ladder over the snake? How, how do we choose trial versus temptation? Again, in James chapter 1, verse 16 to 18, it says this, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of all he created. The key is where's your focus? Where's your focus? Let's go back to this verse in, or these verses in James 1. Where is your focus when you hit a challenge? Firstly, it says our focus needs to be on the goodness of God. Verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. 
When you hit a challenge, what do you do? What is your default when you hit a challenge in your life? The Bible says the first thing we should do is praise God. Give Him thanks. Say, God, thank you. Thank you that who you are. Thank you for all the blessings in my life. Have a thanksgiving time. Lord, thank you. There was a hymn we used to sing in Canada. I don't know if it's here. But it used to say, count your blessings, name them one by one. That's what you need to do. When you, when you hit a challenge, start counting all the blessings. Because you know what Satan does? Satan will look, tell you to look at what you don't have rather than what you do have. Satan will say, hey, you need this. You need the apple. You've got all the other apples, all the other fruit in the whole garden. But hey, you haven't got this one. And he'll get you to focus on what you don't have. God says, focus on what you do have. Focus on all the blessing in your life. Focus on all the things that God has done for you. Focus on him. Do you remember the story in Luke chapter 9 of the feeding of the 5,000? You know that story. Jesus is teaching thousands and thousands of people there. It says 5,000 men, so there was women, there was children. They say there's 10, 15,000 people in total, right? And it's the end of the day, and Jesus has been teaching, and he says to his disciples, feed them. Imagine if Jesus said that to you. 15,000 people, and he says, go feed them. You'll be going like, I'm not sure Pizza Hut can handle that amount of order. You know, think how many pizzas you'd need to order for that. And think about how much that would cost. That, that would be thousands of pounds, right? And you'd be going like, I haven't got that sitting in my bank account. What am I going to do? Do you remember the response? They said, well, we've got five loaves and two fishes. And they went, what can we do with five loaves and two fishes? It's, it's nothing, right? Satan will say, look at what you haven't got. You haven't got it. And they said, how are we going to get it? It's impossible. Jesus, you're out, of your, you're out of your mind. We haven't got anything. We can't do this. But then Jesus said, well, what have you got? Bring it to me. They said, well, we've, we've nicked five loaves and two fishes off this poor little kid. This is what we got. And what did Jesus do? He amplified that. You see, that's what God does. If you start praising and thanksgiving, giving thanks to God, he will amplify what you've got to even more. If you focus on what you haven't got, if you focus on, on the lack and say, God, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. If you don't give glue recognize the goodness of God, then you're taking the way of the enemy. He will always tell you to focus on what you don't have, not on what you have. If you start praising God and saying, Lord, this is a trial and I don't like it, but I'm going to praise you anyway because of your goodness. I'm going to give you thanks and praise. I'm going to, I don't care how badly I sing, I'm just going to praise your name. I'm going to put some music on and give you praise and honor and glory then you watch what he does through those situations. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. 
and see what he does through it. Where's your focus? Is it on the goodness of God? Ooh. Secondly, what does he say? He said, secondly, focus on the faithfulness of God. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. God said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't change. I know, I'm not going to change. And so you focus on, on the faithfulness of God. Look back in your life and see where God has helped you to overcome. See how you've grown in your relationship with him. See how he's, he has been steadfast in his journey with you. Think about how he's helped you to overcome trials in the past and where you've gone up ladders instead of fallen down snakes. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out. Literally, it means an exodus so that you can endure it. You see, Satan doesn't have the right to put challenges in your way that you cannot overcome. Do you remember when Jesus, when, uh, Jesus said to Peter before Peter denied him, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you. Right? Satan has to come to God and say, like in the book of Job, I want permission to do this. Right? Nothing, the word says, nothing can, be, God won't allow something in your life that you cannot overcome. He will not allow you to face a challenge that is an automatic temptation and leads you away from him. He will allow you to face serious and difficult challenges, but he will always provide you with a way to make it a trial and an opportunity for growth. Always. There is no such thing as a challenge that automatically leads to temptation and sin and death, separation from him. Because they all get filtered through God. And God will only allow. He is faithful. He will only allow what you can endure. And as I said, he does it because he wants you above anything else to grow. He longs for you to be more and more and more of what you could be. And so he allows these things in your life. Sometimes he, he encourages these things, these challenges in your life, because it's only through them that we can be who God really wants us to be, who we desire to be. Let me be as gold, pure gold, refine as fire. My heart's one desire is to be holy. Set apart for you, Lord. I choose to be holy, ready to do your will. And for that to be a reality in our lives, we need these challenges to help us to grow so that that may be true. Third thing he says, focus on the Word of God. He chose to give us birth, verse 18, through the Word of truth. Ephesians 6, 17 says, talks about the armor of God. And the, 
the offensive piece of armor, the one that, that goes forward is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's, that's where the rest is for your protection, but this is where you can actually do damage to the enemy. Do you remember, as I said, when in Luke 4, when Jesus went into the wilderness, what happened? Satan came and he said, same thing, really, that he said to Adam and Eve. Hey, you can do this. These are sh I'm, I'm going to offer you some shortcuts. And how did Jesus respond? It is written. It is written. It is written. When temptation comes, when challenge, and the enemy uses that challenge to lead you into temptation, the way to fight a temptation is through the Word of God. The Word of God is, is obnoxious to Satan. He can't stand it. He loves to know what you think. He loves to know what your friends think because there is no power in that at all. And when we, what happens is we, we go and we say, well, what do you think I should do about this? What do you think I should do about this? And we ask a load of people and Satan's there rubbing his hands going, ah, oh, I got this one. But when you come against Satan with the word of God and you said, it's written in here, this is the truth, then Satan has to leave. When Jesus said it three times, what did it say? And Satan left. He can't stand the word of God. He, he just, he doesn't have a choice. It's like, it's, it's like, it's so abhorrent to him. that you start quoting scripture, he has no choice but to leave. I mean, he'll come back again. He says he left for a short time. He came back and he kept on enticing Jesus throughout his ministry, but he didn't have a choice. And every time he came, Jesus said, this is the word, this is the word, this is the word. Always, always, always. When you find yourself in a challenge and you think, it, I'm, I'm being tempted here, start quoting scripture. Start remembering the power of the word of God. It is the sword of the spirit. And when you use the word of God in these moments, you'll find that you will gain Victory through those trials rather than fall away through temptation. That's why it's so important to understand and to read and to learn the Word of God. Read it every day. Seek to understand it so that you may grow. That's why I'm here, right? That's really what I'm employed to do. I've been here 20 plus years, and I can probably count on one hand the number of times in 20 years that a member of this congregation has sent me an email or phoned me up and said, I've been reading the scriptures and I don't understand it. How are we supposed to grow in our relationship with God if we're not serious about the word of God? Because you cannot, I cannot defeat Satan. The word of God will defeat Satan. Jesus didn't just say, get away, go away from me. He said, no. He used the word of God and said, it is written, this. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. It is written, it is written, 
It is written. And if we really get into the Word of God and we start to understand the Word of God, and when we don't understand it, we don't just skip it and go, oh, it doesn't really matter, then you'll find in your life you'll be going up more ladders than you will falling down snakes. Satan will do anything he can to stop you from reading the Word and understanding it. Read it. Ask if you don't know. I mean, maybe we're all experts on the Word, which is why we don't need to ask. But ask. Seek to understand it. It's why I preach like I preach on the Sunday, because I want you to understand. I want you to know the Word of God so that we can use it as the weapon in our lives to gain victory. And last thing. Focus on the aim of God, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. The first fruits are the best, right? First fruits are the things that you offer to God. It's the best. God said in the Old Testament, I want you to give a tenth, the first tenth. The first son is offered. The, the first uh, lamb is offered. The first of everything is offered to God because it's the best, right? It's, it's the first thing that you have and you give it to God as a thank offering to God. So he's saying, you know what, you are, you are going to be, you're like the first fruits. You're the best. And that's how God works in your life. That's God's aim for you. And he wants you to be the best. That's why God is working in your life, so that you might be the best you that is humanly possible and spiritually possible. God said, that's, that's my desire. I want to just pour myself into my children so that they might have everything that I set aside for them. They're the first fruits. That's why it says in Zechariah, I, I sing over them. I love them. I, I know everything about them. I know when they sit and when they rise, I perceive their thoughts from afar because they're just amazing. And I want them to be even more amazing. Think about the aim that God has for your life. Every time you hit a challenge in your life, which way are you going to go? You know, you can go, you can go a trial way and say, Lord, this is a trial and I, I, I need your help. I need your strength. But I'm going to get through this with your help, and I'm going to grow, and I'm, and I'm going to receive everything that you long to pour through me into others. Or you can just give up and go, I'm going to get the way of the temptation. But if you do that, we never receive everything that God wants to give us. We're always kind of getting knocked backwards, and then we, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. And we climb up again. It's like snakes and ladders, right? And then you hit the same old snake, back you slither. And then you stir that heavy climb in all the way up again. You never roll a six, do you? And you're walking up and down your board, and you get up to the same old snake, and back you go down again. And what happens? Spiritually, you stay immature. You're just going around the same old immature cycle. And God said, it doesn't have to be like that. I don't want it to be like that. I, I want you to know where you're going. 
that you're the first fruits. You, you're, you're special. And I want you to get everything. I want you to have everything. Do you remember, Joshua, this, this encouragement happens so frequently in the Bible, not just in Joshua. It's in Deuteronomy. It's in the prophets. It's all over the place. Have I not commanded you, God says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. He's never going to leave you. He's with you if you, if you mess up down here. Like, but we, we separate ourselves from him and he then waits until we repent and then we pick ourselves up. But he says, come on, please. I want you to be an overcomer. That's why we pray. Lord, when I face a challenge in my life, lead me not into temptation. I don't want to go that way. I want to go the way of the trial, right? I want to, I want to be an overcomer. Don't lead me into temptation. Help me to see it for what it is. And don't lead me that way. But Lord... If I do go this way, and sometimes we all do, what do we pray? Deliver us from the evil one. Lord, I'm going to repent and turn around. When I've gone that way, deliver me from the way that I've chosen to go. Bring me back following the right pathway so that I may grow again. And when I get back up to that challenge again, Help me choose the way of trial and know that you are with me and that you will go through it with me. And I will grow stronger and stronger and stronger in you. It's quite a prayer, isn't it? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Father, we ask today, Lord, I imagine all of us are going through challenges of different kinds. Life is a challenge. Some of us have health challenges. Some of us have financial challenges. Some of us have relational challenges. Some of us have challenges of addictions and sins that we can't seem to shake off in our own lives. Whatever our challenge today... Lord, help us to recognize that this is an opportunity for growth. This is an opportunity for me to see it as a trial, not a temptation. Lead me not into temptation. Because temptation leads to desire, desire to sin, sin to separation from you. Then I have to repent from the evil one who has led me and tricked me and taken me away from you. I don't want to leave your presence. I don't want to be kicked out of the garden. Lord, I want to grow. I want this, this challenge to be an opportunity for, for perseverance and for faith to grow within me. And I want to look back in my life and say, you know, I used to be like that. I used to struggle with this. I used to have this challenge, but with God's help, I overcame and I know there'll be more challenges because I know your desire for me is to keep on growing and growing, but I don't want to keep on the same old challenge, the same cycle, like the book of Judges.
round and round in circles. Lord, help me to grow. And I pray for my brothers and sisters, for myself today. Lord, as we face challenges, that first you would help us to recognize it for what it is. When Satan starts to speak those words, oh, that looks good. That, That will give you some release. That will help you. That will do this and do that, Lord. They're lies. Lead us not into temptation. Keep our focus on you. May we worship and praise you. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. May we thank you for your faithfulness and use your word, which is the sword of the Spirit, to come against Satan and say, no, these are lies, because the word says, the word says, the word says. And I'm going to build my life and trust my life on the rock, which is the word of God. And then may we recognize everything that you want to do in us and through us. Thank you for what you feel about each one of us. We're your first fruits. You're like so in love with us. You just love it when we're when we're overcome, when we're happy, when we're, you know, where we overcome challenges, where we where we're just joyous and you love it. And you you help us to keep moving forwards. Thank you. We praise you. But I thank you too, Lord, that on the occasions when we fail and temptation, we take that wrong pathway. Even your grace reaches down there. And you say to us, when we say deliver us from the evil one, you say now, Let me help you out. And you pull us back out. You turn us around and you get us walking back in the right direction. Moving up the board towards you. There is no sin where grace is not deeper, where grace has never been. That's why you went to the dead. That's why you went to the deepest, darkest places. To say, even there, grace is offered. Grace is available. It is amazing grace that saves wretches. And Lord, if we're not going through a challenge right now, may we be encouragers to others. May we think right now of people that we know who are going through hardship, going through challenges, that need some support and encouragement, that need this word today, that need James 1, 16 to 18. And we can take it to them and say, hey, I just want to encourage you with these words, you know, that God, God is faithful, God is good, and he longs for you you to focus on his goodness. He is faithful, his word is true, and, and you are his first fruits. And he has amazing plans for you. May we be encouraged and be encouragers through your word. We lift ourselves and we lift one another to you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.